How's that now? Um, how's our camera angle doing? Okay, that's the last time we're going to swing the camera around. Uh, I, I think if you, were, if you were online and you, uh, uh, you may have experienced some dropout there, we think we've got it fixed now, so bear with us. I'm going to tell you, this crew is working extra hard, and, uh, and they deserve your, your admiration and your respect. They're doing everything they can, and that's uh, Dave, Jordan, Daryl, and, and so many others working on that. Well, about the best I can do right now is preach. And um, because even though I look like I belong in the pit crew, uh, as you know, people on, on site here see me wandering around there like I know what I'm doing, I assure you that that is a grand fiction because I have no clue how to make any of that work. And I'm just thankful we've got these guys. So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. And this is the end of a series that we started soon after we began this, uh, or right about the time that we began our on-site meetings. And the theme of exile made sense in this day and age of lockdowns and pandemics. And that we are addressed as the people of God in exile, resident aliens, that we don't, we don't permanently reside here. It seemed to fit. And when you come to the end of this letter, you're going to see, you're going to see that, that, that Peter has a very personal message to people that he knows, to people that he cares about, but he cannot be with them. He's separated from them, and yet he wants to give them whatever encouragement that he can in the temporary suffering that they're going through right now. So let's read uh, 1 Peter 5, the whole chapter, uh, together. And uh, it's going to be on the screen here. Peter says, I encourage the elders among you. I am also an elder, and I am both a witness to the sufferings of Christ and will share in His soon-to-be-revealed glory. Shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to you, watching over them, not resentfully, rather willingly as God would, not for what you will get out of it, but eagerly as God would have it. Shepherding does not mean lording it over the group assigned to your care. Rather, it means being a good example for the flock that follows you. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory. I want to encourage you, who are younger, to follow the example and the leadership of the elders. And everyone, please, wrap yourselves in humility as you deal with one another. Because God opposes the arrogant but gives grace to the humble. You must humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at just the right time, He will lift you up. Hand off all your anxiety and your worry to God because He cares about you. Be clear-headed. Stay alert. Watch out for your enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Oppose Him. Stand your ground by trusting in God. 
Keep in mind that we are all in this together. Believers all over the world are enduring the same kind of suffering that you are. The God of all grace is the one who is calling you to share in his eternal glory through Christ. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. And then Peter adds these lines, very personal. Silvanus is bringing you this letter. I regard him as a faithful brother. I've written this short letter to encourage you, and I assure you that this is the true grace of God. In that, you all stand together. Your fellow chosen ones here in Babylon send you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with kindness and love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. And it's with those words that Holy Scripture has been completed. A letter, a very personal letter from a shepherd, from an elder, to people that he cares about, becomes our Bible. You know, it says there at the end in verse 14, many of your translations will say, uh, greet one another with a kiss of love. We didn't feel like that was appropriate in this day and age of social distancing. So translated it differently. The idea is, is it, but I tell you, even reading that makes you long for the day when we can show that sort of kindness and welcome and greeting to people that we haven't seen. And Peter wants that, that feeling and that attitude of being with them in person. But this letter is the best that he can do. And yet, this letter that's the best that he can do becomes our Bible. Do you remember a few months ago when hashtags like this were all in this together? This is what we were saying about the pandemic. This is what we were saying about social distancing. This is what we were saying about the situation that we're in. We're all in this together. I don't know about you, but I haven't heard that in a while. I think it's because no one really believes that anymore. Maybe not in here, but out there. Maybe it's because we found out that by doing things the way that our culture, the way that our world, the way that our governments, the way that our, 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 our culture would do it, that doing things their way, we soon find out that we're not all in this together. That in fact, we're not just six feet apart, we're more than six feet apart, not just in space, but in mindset. Think back when this was the theme. We were going to get through this in 15 days. We were going to get through this in 30 days. We were going to get through this soon. It wasn't supposed to go on this long. And now everything from face masks to pharmaceuticals have become politically polarized it's hard to say we're all in this together but I think that what we need as God's people is a way to reclaim this idea not just for these times but this is what we've always needed 
to be in this life together. If we're going to get through this exile, if we're going to get through being in Babylon, then we need to be together, and that's why we need leaders. Peter closes this letter by calling the attention of the leaders to the flock and calling the flock to the leaders. What you see in his letter is you see him describing what leaders do. We need leaders to encourage us. We need leaders to remind us. That's where Peter will say that he's a witness. And he's a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And he's going to be a witness to the glory of Christ. At the transfiguration, he was a witness to the glory of Christ. He says we need leaders to encourage us, to remind us, and to set us an example. That's what leaders do for us. And in the church, those spiritual leaders shape faith and they teach us by being involved in these things. We recognize the importance of leaders. We probably recognize the importance of leaders now more than ever. When you look at your sports teams, everyone there is talented, but you need leaders to channel and focus that talent. When you look at the military, Everyone there is dedicated. They all have a mission, but you need leaders to focus and channel that mission. When you look at our musicians and our singers, everybody has talent. Everybody wants to make music together, but you have to have a leader. You have to have a director to bring all that together. Even in the family, you have to have somebody directing and leading the children and the rest of the family. So we see the importance of leaders in the world around us. We need it in the church as well. And Simon Peter even brings out his resume in this letter, in this greeting, when he says that I am a fellow elder. I am an elder right there along with you. He, he, he mentions that he's an apostle at the beginning of the letter. He mentions that he's a witness to the sufferings of Christ. He mentions that he is an elder too. And in doing so, he's not flashing the badge to show them his credentials and saying, look, I'm in charge around here. But he's saying, I am in this with you, both in the suffering and in the glory. That Peter is not sequestered somewhere safe while everybody else is going through suffering. He's saying, I'm going through the suffering right here with you. And I'm also going to share in the glory with you. And where does he get that? Who sets the example for Peter? Jesus Christ, who at his birth was named Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, sets that example for Peter. And Peter's saying, I'm doing what Christ did, and I want you to do what I'm doing. It's a lot like Paul's statement in his letters when he says, follow me as I'm a follower of Christ. So going into this knowing that we have a word here, not from somebody who the Holy Spirit has just taken over his mind and he's possessed. No, no. This is a, this is a man in every way who is a leader, a shepherd, a fellow sufferer, someone who's going through this and feels it and knows them who has a, a spiritual son in the faith, Mark, who has a good Christian brother, Silvanus, and he's interested in real people, 
And we see that and we can relate to that and we realize these are words coming from someone who's been there, who's experienced. And he tells us about leadership and what he gives us is not just the what of leadership, but the how of leading. You see, there's a temptation in churches to think that if we set up the right form of government, then we're a proper church. We've got elders, we've got deacons, we've got ministers, we've got all these people, we've got all the, the slots in place. We're good. We've set up the formal structure. That's not the goal. The leaders are going to be there. And he describes the way leaders ought to be. But in this letter, Peter's interest is in how those leaders lead. You can go through all the motions. You can go through all the formality. But if the how of leadership is not there, you can get it all wrong. He says that the way the leaders of the flock are called to be leaders are elders, those who are experienced, shepherds, those who guide and direct, and watchmen, those who watch over the flock. Those are the verbs that he uses. Well, two of those are verbs that he uses to describe what elders do. And then he does this comparison, which is very helpful to us. And I want to say this. If you're thinking, well, this is just for the, the elders of this church. No, this is for you too. Because there are elders among us. You don't even know that you're an elder. You don't even know that you're a shepherd. Some of our shepherds have blue cards, okay? And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it used to be that you know, we had name tags. Remember those? Michael Cole has his name tag, and it's blue. And we did that so that people would know who the shepherds are. Now, uh, I only know of one incident where that was used as a badge uh, to, uh, to, to scold someone, but that was actually told as a joke by someone who loves and respects that elder very much. And um, the point is that, that we, um, uh, when we have elders with blue cards or blue tags, there are some of you who set an example. Maybe you've been an elder, maybe you've been a shepherd, or maybe you're setting an example for others. But we do need leaders. We need leaders that we recognize as leaders, and we need leaders who are just being faithful and obedient. But even those that we name and identify are those who, are, who, who want to be a shepherd, not just because they're supposed to, not just because it's duty or it's required. I'm thankful that that describes our shepherds here. But more than that, I want you to understand that what we need to do is we need to be the ones who encourage them in their want to and their desire to be spiritual leaders and not just act like they're supposed to be those leaders and they work for us. The other contrast he gives is the self-interested versus the flock interested how-to of being a leader. If we ever go into any form of leadership, if you go into ministry and you're doing it just to be self-interested, then you're missing the point. The goal is to be focused on the flock. It doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves. It doesn't mean that we don't care about our limitations and our needs being met, but we do this like Jesus to see to the goods of others, to see to the benefit and the training and the faith and the building up of others. And then he says, you're not going to lord it over the flock. We might say that 
shepherds don't have to pull rank. I tell you, any time that we go to our elders and we say, listen, you're the elders of this church, you make a decision, we have failed. Because what we've done is we've said, you're the men with rank, you make the call, and if we like it, we'll be happy, and if we don't, you'll hear from us again. That's not how it's done. If we've gotten to that point, then we have failed. Shepherds don't have to pull rank. This message, by the way, is not original with Peter. If you look at Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus makes it very clear to his apostles, one of those being Peter. He says, you have heard that the leaders of the Gentiles, of the pagans, they lord it over their people. They are tyrants over them. He says, that's not the way it's going to be in the kingdom of God. That's not the way it's going to be with you. So any time that we think we need authoritative leaders who just call the shots and the rest of us have to live with it, we have failed. Because that's not what Jesus did with his followers. That's not what we ought to do with one another. What our leaders are called to do is to set us an example. And if we follow their example, then we also are flock interested, not just self-interested. We want to be followers of Jesus. We're not doing this just because we're supposed to. I mean, ask yourself, do we attend classes, show up at church? Do we do the things that make us spiritually stronger? Do we do that because our leaders tell us that we're supposed to? Or do we do it because we want to? I tell you, one of those is going to be far more successful than the other one. Because at some point, you're going to quit doing what you're supposed to do, and you're going to start doing what you want to do. But look to your leaders. Look to your shepherds who set an example for you. People that you look at and you can tell, they want to be more like Jesus. And I want to be like them. Because sometimes it can be hard to think, can I really be like Jesus when I don't know that much? But when you have somebody who's around you all the time, that you see the quality and the Holy Spirit in their life, you want to be more like that. Peter says that the shepherds among you are there to set an example. And he's been talking about good conduct through this entire message, telling us that that's what we need to be in this world, or the kind of people who live not just well, but who live to do good. That's the how of leading. The why of leading, I think we skip over sometimes. You know, we're, not, we're conditioned to think that we're not supposed to really want prizes or achievements when we're in church that we're doing it for the good of others so to think about our personal gain I mean Peter just said that's not why you do this but at the same time he is admitting that there is there is a reward in all of this there is something to be gained but it's not something that we earn it's not something that we achieve it's not something that we can grasp for it is a free gift that is given And it makes all of it worth it. And by the way, if we don't believe that there's something to this, then we need to stop rewarding our kids. I mean, you think about it, what we've done is we've we've had them in classes and we've told them that they can get prizes and then when they become adults, we just lower the hard news on them and say, sorry kid, there's no more prizes. We lied to you all those years. 
No. That prize is more than, I mean, those prizes are cheap junk. (laughs) It's the affirmation and the encouragement of older ones that make it worth it. It's the affirmation and encouragement of people who have our best interest in mind. That's what makes it worth it. Here, Peter names what's going to happen when all of this wraps up. The glory of the chief shepherd. That unfading crown of glory. Do we ever stop to ponder what that is? Or are we so often distracted by the cheap junk in this world that we forget just what that crown may be? Now, that's a metaphor. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a literal crown at all or how that's going to be. I don't know. I don't know that it would be worth a whole lot in eternity. I mean, why would it be if everybody's going to get one of those? But I do know this. It has something to do with glory and it doesn't fade away. And it, it's, it's like Peter's message early on when he talks about your faith, which is far more precious than gold. And maybe that unfading crown of glory is something that we don't just get in the heavenly hereafter. Maybe it's something that he's bestowing on us even now so that as we get older, we realize that the sufferings in this world and the hardships in this world are things that are never going to last forever. But the love of God and the joy of seeing our loved ones grow in their relationship with God, that's eternal. And that's something to strive for. And just as we put on a crown of glory, or He gives us a crown of glory to be accurate, We're going to wrap ourselves in the clothing of humility. And we're going to practice humility to one another. And we're going to practice humility as we place ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Meaning we're going to let Him determine when He will lift us up. We're going to rely on Him. And that's going to be one of the hardest things going forward in this time of pandemic and even beyond. Because it is, again, our temptation to want to set up grand ideas and plans and say, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're going to accomplish, this is what we're going to achieve, and now let's go ask God to bless our idea. And maybe we should begin by surrendering to Him and asking Him to lift us up and promote us and exalt us in His own time, in His way. That's why we need leaders. We need leaders, just to to repeat it, for encouragement in times of anxiety. Notice that he said there, if you're feeling anxious, are any of you feeling anxious? Are any of you feeling worried? Do you ever get that way? Don't, Don't condemn yourself for that. We're all going to feel that. It's what you do with it. He says you can hand off all those cares and anxieties to God Because he cares for you. And that's an ancient word from the Psalms. We need leaders to remind us that there's danger. That we have an enemy who is like a lion ready to attack and devour the weak. And we need shepherds to protect us from some of that and to remind us of the danger. And we need to remind one another 
And we need to be on our guard. We need examples in crisis. I think this is where we have a much better message about what it means to be all in this together than anything that the best this world has to offer can say about that. He wraps this message up, and it's the message that I want to give to you as we move towards the Lord's Supper table. Peter says, after you have suffered a little while, he himself will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you on a firm foundation. That's calling back that image of Christ being the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected and said was no good. But God glorified, God exalted, and said this is the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the foundation. He will be the guide. He will be the rule. He will be the model for this spiritual temple that I am building so that the world may see the glory of God. We, like living stones, come to Him to be restored, supported, strengthened, and established on the firm foundation You know, one of the things that's causing anxiety right now for all of us, let's be real, is that no matter what plans we make, we're going back to school, we're going back to college, we're going to start sports again. And we know that at any second, somebody can, it's just like in those movies, somebody presses a button and a trap door opens and boom, it's all gone. The ground that we're on right now is shaky. But when has it never been that way, honestly? When have we ever lived in a world that is more firm and more secure than the eternity that comes only through Jesus Christ? Think about that. Think about that. So after we've suffered a little while, and there's going to be suffering, and we don't need to apologize for that, and we don't need to feel bad about grieving during that suffering it's going to happen and we're going to feel it but just know this it's not going to get the last word and it's not going to last forever and he himself not some agent not some representative he himself the chief shepherd the cornerstone he will restore you and support you and strengthen you and establish you on the firm foundation That is hope in Jesus Christ. And Peter's last words in this message are on that foundation, just that foundation, you take your stand there and the ground's not going to shift beneath you. So this morning as we come to the Lord's table, we're going to sing these songs together. Then Larry's going to lead us in prayer. And I want you to realize that what we're coming to is not a memorial for a leader who's dead and gone. But we are coming to the cornerstone that when we gather around this meal, we've been invited in by the chief shepherd who gives us a crown of glory. And he is restoring us, supporting us, strengthening us, and establishing us in this firm foundation focused on his body, on his blood, on the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's sing together and let's go to the cornerstone.